This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So today, I'm going to segue a little bit, it's still within the context of what we're talking about and going through the series that we have started, Uh, but I want to kind of segue a little bit uh, because there's something the Lord lays strong on my heart that I really would like to share with us. Uh, Father, breathe upon your word. Let it minister life to us. Let it be life-changing. Let it be life-transforming in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, the, the title that I have for the message today is Intentional Living. Intentional Living. I, I want to say to all of us this morning, it's important that we know this, that life is filled with good times and bad times. Every one of us, at some point or another, you will have a high moment in life. And at some other times, you're going to have a low moment. It's important to remember that. That life is filled with ups and downs. And it doesn't have anything to do with your standing with Jesus. Your response is what shows who you are. Amen? Because you see everybody smiling. You see people happy. You don't know what they're going through. Hallelujah. It's a choice. It's a decision that we make. So today, I I want to address some of us that are experiencing sort of a delay in the promise of God. And the first thing I'd like to say to you is that the delay you are experiencing does not tantamount to denial. The fact that the promise is delayed, the fact that the promise is taking time to manifest does not mean God is saying no to you. You know, a lot of times when we pray and God does not do what we want him to do, we say God did not answer the prayer. No. (laughs) Uh, When you pray, uh, there are many things that can happen. Yes, God can say, okay, you got it. And then you have your prayer. Just like that. Pronto, quickly. And other times, God is still working on you. And because he's working on you, preparing you for where he's taking you, he can't give it to you yet. So he's saying, hold on. And at other times, what you are asking for is just outrightly out of his will for you. Like the guy that was believing God for another man's wife. You know, so he says a definite no (laughs) in that instance. So no is an answer. Hold on is an answer. All of that is still an answer. The real question this morning, I believe, is do you believe the word of God? And Pastor Joyce, that was kind of how she started today. She read the scripture to us and said, do you believe this? If you believe this, then stand in your place of authority and begin to make declarations. Praise the Lord. So what I want to do is I want to remind you of a few scriptures before we make progress this morning. Uh, so that you can, we can baseline. That's how we call it in my profession. Let's, let's baseline. First John chapter 4, verse 7. First John chapter 4, verse 7. 
The scripture reads, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Verse 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. Remember last week I told us there are three nouns that are used to describe God, right? Light, life, and love. He says God is love. When he says God is love, it's not describing what God does. He's saying that is who God is. If you say Koye is a boy, well, maybe a man now. <laughs> you say Koye is a boy, that is who I am. He's a male species. That's who I am. It's not because I'm wearing pants that you say I'm male. It's not because of what I do that you say I'm a male. I'm, I'm a genetic male and a proud one. I have evidence, you see my... So God is love. It's very important that we level set on that. That the very nature of God, who God is, is defined by his love. His love. God is love. He loves you no matter what. First John chapter 3, verse 16, we read this before. He said, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. He's telling us about love. He said, Jesus, God is love. Jesus is love. What drove him to do what he did is love. Psalm 36, verse 7. Psalm 36, verse 7. He said, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. So God has love for you, and that love will never fail. He said, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity, somebody say all. In case you are wondering in your mind, no, 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 the love of God is just for his children. No. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. <laughs> right? So, he said, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity, all of humanity finds shelter. In the shadow of your wings. The difference happens when Jesus comes. That's when the separation is going to happen. But God loves all his creation. First John chapter 3 and verse 1. We read this before. It says, see how very much our father loves us. It's separating between the world and the children of God here. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. And then the last scripture that I just want you to, you know, kind of uh, let it marinate over your heart is Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. It said, long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. And then it is reiterated here. He said, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Friends, there's no doubt in my heart, there's no doubt in my mind that God loves you. There's no doubt in my mind that God loves me. God is love. God is love. My favorite scripture, you know it by now, Romans 5 and verse 8. 
It says this love that God has for us is great. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It means God expressed that great love when we were unqualified for it. And he expressed that love by sending Jesus to come and die for us. The truth is we live currently in a difficult time in history. You know, the same way uh, 1918, 1968 is being remembered for those serious pandemics, 2020 in years to come is going to be remembered like that. You know, because worldwide shutdown, it shut down everywhere. The pandemic has impacted many lives. Many, many lives have been impacted. We know, according to record, they have told us that over 170,000 people have died. Every death is sad and regrettable. 170 have died and more. Many are currently in critical conditions, very sick. According to the report, 57 million people have lost their jobs. So many people are going through a difficult time. And can I shock you this morning? Some of them are born again spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers that love God. We live in very, very interesting times. I'm going to implore us, don't be judgmental. You don't look at those people and say they didn't pray hard enough. Or they, they didn't position themselves well enough. Uh, the Bible says time and chance happens to everything. The race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. If God has kept you, be grateful to God. Be grateful to God. So I started by sharing those uh, scriptures so that we can sort of begin to do kind of like a root cause analysis. So if we know that God loves us, there's no doubt about that. Pandemic or no pandemic, God loves me. Pandemic or no pandemic, God loves you. So if we know that, we know that God loves us, then it is important that you and I, we don't allow any situation to define God's love for us. You know, typically what happens is when things are not going well for you, uh, people say maybe there is sin in your life. You know, that's our conclusion. You remember the friends of Job? He said, check very well. You must have done something wrong. You know, so you lost your job. They said, how come you are the only one in the whole church that lost your job? Everybody is getting promotion. You are the one that is not getting promotion. The love of God for us is guaranteed no matter what. That is who he is. His nature is love. The Bible says he loves us with everlasting love. That's what we read in Jeremiah 31 verse 3. Let me, let me, let me unpack that a little bit. When God was making that promise to them, you need to back up a few chapters. A few chapters before he said, I have loved you with everlasting love, he was telling them, the Babylonians are coming, 
and they are going to take you away in captivity, and the captivity will be for 70 years. Don't bother praying because you are going into captivity. So he was now reassuring them. He said, captivity or no captivity, I still love you, and my love for you is everlasting, and is unfailing love. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So when he said that to them, that's the background of that scripture. And then we read that his love for us is great. Romans 5 verse 8. He said he, he, he demonstrated his great love for us. His love is unfailing. He loves us very much. When you put all of this together, you cannot but begin to wonder. And say, if God loves me so much, then why am I in the situation that I'm in? Why is nothing working out for me? Why did I get laid off? I've attended several interviews and nobody calls me back. And God knows that I desperately need this job. I need this money. Why is God not answering my, uh, my prayers? Well, I'm going to suggest some things to you. I'm not saying that's the case for you in particular, but you can figure yourself and say that's true for me or that's not true for me. Number one thing that I have here is wrong motive. When I pray and God doesn't answer, well, sometimes it's because the motive is wrong. Why? Because the Lord weighs motives. In Proverbs 16 verse 2, Proverbs 16 verse 2, the Bible says people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Remember, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to announce, anoint a new king, you know, he was looking at all the big guys with big guns. Like somebody I know in the back. You know, big guns. He's looking at them and he said, ah, definitely this is the anointed of the Lord. The Lord said, no, I've rejected him. Ah, definitely it must be this other one. Ah, no, I've rejected him. And then the Lord said to him, he said, I don't see as man sees. He said, God looks at the heart, but man looks at the outward appearance. So God weighs motives. He checks our heart, and that's where he determines whether what we want, we want for the right reasons or not. Some what, what they want just to show off and say, ah, I'm better than you. <laughs> you see, nah, 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 I got it, it you don't have it. Whatever the children sing to themselves. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Make sure your heart is right. God judges actions. Amen. He weighs action. By him, actions are weighed. In James chapter 4, you probably know this already. In James chapter 4, the Bible says, you ask not, therefore you receive not. And I say, when you manage to ask, you ask for the wrong reason. James 4 verse 3. He said, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So very quickly, that's not really where I'm going for today. Uh, the second point there is disobedience. So if you are following on the app, the second blank there is disobedience. Disobedience. Romans 2 verse 8, the Bible says, but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth 
and instead live lives of wickedness. In other words, God does not reward bad behavior. All right? So, 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, it says, and we will receive from him whatever we ask. He gives a condition. Because, because it's a reason. Because we obey him and do the things that please him. What does that mean? The contrary is also true. It means we will not receive whatever we ask because we disobey him. Right? So disobedience can also cost us answer to prayer. And then see. I say sin. Sin. Psalm 7 verse 11. I remember I got in trouble with this a, a long time ago. This scripture was impressed very strongly on my heart. And this is how you know what God is saying to me. I, I just keep talking about it. So you come for Sunday service, you will, you will hear it. You come on Tuesday, you're going to hear it. You come on Wednesday, anytime you meet me, you're going to hear it. That's how you know. This is what God is saying to pastor now. Uh, Psalm 7, verse 11. He said, God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. There's no peace for the, for the wicked. No rest for the wicked. Why? Because the wrath of God is against the wicked all of the time, is what he's saying. And then Daniel, Daniel 11, 32, he says, he will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. So this is where I'm going for today. Listen to this. You may have heard all of these three things that I've said. And this, I believe this, really. You know, my motives are right. I'm hungry. I can't feed my family. I can't provide provide for my family. That's why I need a job. So my motive is right. Disobedience, well, I I do the best that I know to do. I I don't willfully disobey. You know, so disobedience is not my thing. Then sin. (laughs) Jesus already paid for my sins. He took care of everything. I am washed sanctified by the blood of Jesus. So all those three things, Pastor, you can forget about them. They don't apply to me. And that might be very true. And you are the one that I really want to talk to today. You know, because many of us are in a, in a place where there's no logical explanation for what we're experiencing. You know, you have searched. You have, they said, search yourself anywhere. I have searched. I pay tight. I pray. And everything, just mention it. I have done everything right. And still, things are not working out. You are the one I want to talk to today. Listen, the reason I started with the foundation of love is to let you understand that the fact that you don't have what you want or what you desire, what you are praying for, does not mean God does not love you. That's why I went through all of that. So the love of God is guaranteed. So it's not a problem with whether or not God loves me. God loves me. That, that's, that's a done deal. God loves me. When you read through the scripture, you see many examples of people that did everything right. Yet, things did not work out. At least for some time. Remember Joseph. Right? Remember, remember David. Remember David. Remember Job. In fact, God himself was boasting about Job. To the devil, he said, have you seen my servant Job? 
that this man, there's no guile in him. This guy, he's, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. God himself knew and boasted about the integrity of Job. Yet, Job was afflicted. So if during this whole pandemic, things aren't working out, before you conclude that God has left you, I want, to, I want you to hear me out. Amen? So, here's what I would like to do. Uh, I put in the note, and I, 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 you can follow along. I said there's a part of us, us, when I say us here, I'm talking about us Christians. There's a part of us, there's something within us that makes us feel entitled. And we almost become narcissistic. You know, we are self-absorbed. We are egoistic. Let me give you an example of what I mean. When something bad happens to a person, they say, Lord, why me? Inherent in that statement, why me, is I don't deserve this, but there's somebody I know that deserves it. Maybe you don't know them, but you just know that there's somebody out there that this calamity should have happened to instead of me. You see, we don't think about it, but that's the implication of a statement like, why me? May I ask another question on top of that? Why not you? Amen? Because a lot of times, the things for you and I to get to where we need to be in destiny, there are certain stages, certain processes that we need to go through. And some of them are not pleasant. Have you noticed the butterfly, the stages of development of the butterfly? If you help the pooper, you break the case that I want this butterfly to come out quickly. I don't want it to suffer by struggling to come out. If you open it, that is dead on arrival. So let, let's, let's look at the story of Joseph very quickly. And I'm going to run through this assuming that, you know, some of us, we already know some of these things. Listen to this. The Bible tells us that the father loved Joseph very much. In fact, the reason the father loved him is not because of him, it's because of his mother. The mother was the father's sweetheart. And then it took them a long time before she could conceive and have a child. You know, so when Joseph showed up on the scene, it was like, this is my wife all over again. Loved him to pieces. And then the wife conceived again, the, the darling. And then during the back, dies. Right? So Benjamin was looked at as, this is the one that killed my wife. <laughs> you know, and Joseph, Joseph was the darling of the dad. He didn't do anything to qualify for it. The father just loved him because of his mother. Because the father loved him, made him coat of many colors, did so many things for him. And because of the love of the father, the brothers hated him. Genesis chapter 37 verse 4, the Bible says, But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him. So the reason, that, it's very clear the reason they, they hated him. They hated him because the father loved him more than the rest of them. So some of us, the reason we are going through what we are going through is not because we have done something wrong, it's because of the great love the Father has for us. Amen? 
So the next time you ask, why me? Okay, so maybe God should skip over that individual. And I, I know you don't want that. So the brothers hated him so much that they sold him into slavery. You can read that Genesis 37 verse 20. But because of time, I'm going to move along. And everything is in the notes you can follow along. So they, they, they hated him. Why? Because the father loved him. Jesus told his disciples, John chapter 15 verse 18. He said, if the, Lord, the world hates you, remember that the world hated me first. Remember that. Remember that. So if you say, oh, nobody, this, 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 the, the world hates me, they, they hated him first. And because they hated him, and if you are like him, you have a seed in you, the world will hate you. And on the job, there will be oppositions, there will be all kinds of things. But remember, John 16, 33, Jesus told them, said in this world, you will have trials, you will have tribulations. He said, but remember, that I have overcome the world for you. I have overcome the world for you. So you have the victory. In the name of Jesus. I say you have the victory. In the name of Jesus. You may be down today. But God is going to pull you up. He's going to pull you up. And make your life a testimony. For others to know who your God really is. In the name of Jesus. So it's important we understand. It's important we understand. Don't be myopic. Don't, don't, narrow, don't narrow God into one little corner that if it doesn't conform to this little thing over here, then it means whatever you conclude. No. No. There's more to your life than that one thing that you want and you need right now. Remember David. In fact, David's case was very funny. God told the prophet, go to Jesse's house, anoint a new king. The prophet got there, said, bring everybody together. We want to pray. David was missing. His dad said nothing. His dad did not say, oh, before you pray, sir, let me go get my last son, the little one. He's out in the field. Let me go get, no, 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 no. They just went ahead with the ceremony. You know, and even the prophet, the prophet was missing it left, right, and center. He said, is this one? No. Is that one? No. He said, ah. By the time he went through all of them, and the answer is no through all the sons. He said, excuse me, is it, do you have another son? He said, yes. Ah, okay. Go get him. Nobody is sitting down or eating until that boy comes. They wanted to short-circuit him. They want to, what is yours is yours. You didn't hear that. I said, what is yours? Is yours. Nobody can take what God has given you. They cannot take it from you. It may look rough. It may look difficult. It may look impossible right now. But what is yours is yours. It doesn't sound good when I say it like that. This is the way I like to say it. What is mine is mine. You see, the ring of that is better than what is yours. It's too much. What is mine is mine. And there's no devil from the pit of hell that can take that from you. You need to understand. You need to understand the finished work that God has done for you and for me. We need understanding. We need understanding. 
So, remember, Peter, John, and Paul, the one thing that is common to those three is they were imprisoned. Yet, they stood their ground. They stood their ground. That's the prayer we prayed today. Take your place and be bold to make declarations. Stop allowing the enemy to mess with your mind. Too many believers today are too emotional. They are ruled and controlled by emotions. Amen? They are ruled and controlled by facts and not the truth. Because the truth is the word of God. The truth is the word of God. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. I've told you my story many times. Many times. But one thing I knew going through everything is, I know this too shall pass. That's my favorite saying. It has come, it will pass. It has come, and the same way it has come, it will pass. Can I help you this morning? Let me help you this morning. When I talk about intentional living, what I really want to talk about, I want to dwell on the next maybe 10 minutes real quick and then we'll close. What I want to deal with here is our response to tragedy. Our response to what? To tragedy. The emotional response when something terrible happens is, Lord, why me? Why me? I have served you faithfully. I've done everything. Why me? Why me? That's emotional. That's emotional. What should my response be, especially for those that you have done everything right, but nothing is working out? Number one thing you must do is don't be self-absorbed. Don't be self-absorbed. What do I mean by that? Don't recoil in pity, in self-pity. You know, you look at me. My life is not working out. Everything that I do, nothing. You know, self-pity. Then you begin to talk yourself out of the blessing and the goodness of God. Self-pity is not going to make anything happen for anybody. Or pity party. You know, <laughs> of course, outside of my family, the person closest to me back then, next to my family, was the church administrator, who's like, like a daughter to me. For the 10 years she was in the church office as the administrator, she didn't know a thing of what I was going through. When we're going for Shewan's Yinka's wedding in Houston, I was on the phone with her, you know, and uh, we were talking, and then I was telling her some of the things I was going through back then when she was church administrator. She was shocked. She's like, what, pastor? You mean you were going through all of that? In fact, it became anger. She was upset. Ah, pastor, how come you didn't say anything? What? So if I had told you, ah, yeah, ah, pastor, ah, God will do it. Ah, he will do it. All this is your labor. Ah, God will do I didn't need that. See? I didn't need that. Shola was the one driving and he was like, wow, pastor, you mean you went through all of that? I said, yes, I did. Self-pity and being self-absorbed in yourself because of your problem, if you wear it on your face, guess what? It's just going, ah, I wonder what's wrong with him. They don't, people don't, 
Let me just leave it at that so I don't insult anybody. Like, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Wearing it is not going to make anybody do anything. In fact, what I found is when people pity you, in fact, the kind of help they will offer you will be insulting to you. <laughs> because they just look at you as some kind of beggar that requires beggarly giving. So they give you a beggarly giving. How many of you, you see somebody, homeless person by the street, and then you dip your hand in your pocket, you give them a Benjamin? How many of you do that? No. You're looking for coins. Is that not what you do? Don't be looking like that. I know you. <laughs> you say, ah, where are all these quarters? Where are all these quarters? That's why you give a beggar. Don't be self-absorbed. Don't, look. When I was, uh, when I came to America, you know, and I'm doing everything to take care of this lovely woman, doing everything, and then she got pregnant in the process. Then I have a little daughter. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Then one day we went downtown and I saw a signpost for join the army. $20,000 sign-up bonus. Uh-uh. I said, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I have two arms. I have two legs. 20000 And I'm just wondering how I'm going to take. Sign me up. Sign me up. For real, I signed up. Then I went to basic training. You, will, you can never understand what I'm about to describe to you, but I'm going to try. Here I was. I came to the United States November 7. No, November 8. We left Nigeria November 7. I came November 8, 2001. January 2002, I went back to Nigeria to pick my daughter. Okay, back up. Before I went to Nigeria, I already signed up to join the army. Two months. <laughs> so, as soon as I signed, I went back to Nigeria to go bring my daughter. Because basic training is set for March. So, I come back from Nigeria in March, then I went to basic training. I have not acclimatized to the country, to the culture, to nothing. I just went straight. It's like I came from Nigeria, I went to basic training. And here I was, professor, doctor, adequate. Son, if I don't put the adequate, that's disrespectful. Dr. Sani, Dr. Sani, Dr. Sani, eh, you know, highly respected researcher, you know, and everything. I got to basic training. Some little boys are yelling at me. I'm like, what's wrong with him? Just talk. I can hear you. You don't have to yell. My mind, I was being messed up in my head. It got so bad. I went to the chaplain. I said, I'm losing my mind. I need to go home. You can forget the $20,000. I'm telling you the truth. I will wake up in the middle of the night, break out in sweat, nightmares. Oh, they have come, they have come. I just wake up. I'm still in this dungeon. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Listen. What changed it for me? One day, we were out in the field doing something. I forgot what it was we were doing. I had my Gideon's Bible that I took with me to basic training. So I, I just sat in a corner. I was reading. And the Lord prompted me to look up. I looked up and I, I looked around. I saw those young, young, young chaps. And my heart welled up with compassion for them. From that day, 
I changed the focus from me to them. I started ministering to them. I started telling them about Jesus. We just hang out, we talk. From that day, Sundays, instead of going to the chapel, everybody reported in my room. And we had a fellowship. It's okay, you can clap, but the clapping is not the same. The real thing is, once the focus, I removed it from me, and put it on something that was of value to the Lord, even though I was still in that situation, it ceased to affect me the way it was affecting me before. So, for the most part, what injures you the most when you are going through is not the situation itself, is the pity and the things that you tell yourself that as a result of this thing, see what my life has become. That is what eats you up with it. Because my situation was still exactly the same situation. It was still the same basic training. It was still the same drill sergeants. It was still the same annoying people all over the place. But now I have joy. Now I have peace. You know? And uh, yours truly was a fat boy. Uh, if you think I'm fat now, you needed to have seen me there. You know, so all the running. <laughs> They had me, listen, they had me in general population. We call it gem pops. Pastor, Pastor Cole knows what I'm talking about. He was marine, so that's another level entirely. <laughs> you know, had me in gem pops. Do you know, the more I removed the focus away from myself, the lines began to fall onto me in pleasant places. Very soon. I'm walking. It's not like I laid back and God just made my leg move faster. No, I'm still walking now. I'm still doing what I'm supposed to do. But very soon, I'm removed from general population. I'm doing regular PT now. I'm passing my PT. I graduated basic training. You know what changed? I removed myself from self-absorption and became selfless. Offering something to others. You look at yourself and say, ah, this thing that I'm going through, I can't. You... If you hear other people's story, you will know you're in a good place. Because the moment I, could, I was able to see that my situation, bad as it was, the situation of these people is eternal damnation. Whatever situation I was experiencing, I realized it was temporary. So, in spite of what you're going through, you can still help others, is what I'm saying. When you remove self-absorption, and instead of self-absorption, you become selfless. In spite of your own situation, and you are seeking opportunities to still be a blessing to others. In spite of what you're going through. Before you know it. Sadness will be replaced with joy. Amen. Gloom and doom will be replaced with excitement Amen. in the name of Jesus. Listen to this. When you look at the story of Joseph, it tells us everything that I've just described to you. Joseph in Potiphar's house, think about him. The father's uh, favorite, coat of many colors and all of that. And suddenly he's a slave. When he gets to Potiphar's house, how should he think? How should he feel? 
my life is over and everything. If he behaved like my life is over, they will have resold him to a worse slave owner. Just sell him for cheap, that this one is useless. And that's the beginning of the end for him. But even as a slave, he was still giving his best. Very soon, very soon, Potiphar made him the head of the slaves in his house. You know why? He was not self-absorbed. He was not focused on, look at me, eh? a whole me. No, he's half you. A whole me. My father's this, my father's that. No, 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 no. He focused on the, what needed to be done in the there and the then. He did everything and did them well without looking at himself and pitying himself. In prison, when he got to prison, what will tell you that is not self-absorbed is his response to other people's situation. Are you understanding me? Now, he's, in prison, he's a slave and a prisoner. If by that time, he should be in major depression. He should be in major depression. But he's the one that is seeing somebody that is sad in prison. In prison. Friends, I beseech you by the mercies of God, change your perspective. Change your perspective. It is not as bad as you think. Let me give you an example that I know everybody, well, not everybody, most people here can relate with. There are some people that will give anything to be in America. In fact, they say, if, give me COVID. <laughs> Let me go to America. They will treat me, I will get better, and then I will be living in America. You know what I'm talking about. You know people that have sold everything in life that they had for people to arrange American visa for them. You know what I'm talking about. But you are here in America. But you are here in America complaining. Think about it. Think about the fasting and the prayer that you had to do before you went for interview to get American visa. You are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? But now you're here, you're looking at other things. And then it's like God is not good enough. Friends, let's rise to our feet. The other two, uh, the other points I have here, listen to me. I said be deliberate about your devotion to God. Be deliberate about your devotion to God. Paul and Silas were in prison for preaching the gospel. They went to prison because they were preaching the gospel. In prison, I don't know what they did all day, but when midnight came, you could tell what their lifestyle was. When midnight came, the Bible says they prayed and then they praised God. And they were not doing undercover FBI Christian. I don't want anybody to know about political correctness. No, no, they, they didn't do anything like that. The Bible said they praised God that all the other prisoners, you see that? The other prisoners were listening to them praising God. They were deliberate about their devotion to God. They were intentional about their devotion to God. Even though captured in prison for their service to God, in prison, they maintained their devotion. 
they maintain their devotion. I want you to lift up both hands to the Lord tonight. Your devotion is your choice. You choose to serve God. The church has reopened. If you are a worker, you should be in church. If you go to work, if you go to shop, if you go to the mall, if you go to parties, you can come to church. You can come to church. Your devotion is your choice. It's not pandemic. It's not any of that. Your devotion is your choice. So whether you are in church or not, we maintain social distancing. We have everything like you have it any place else that you go. Your devotion is your choice. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. God will help you early. I say God will arise for your help. And he will help you early. In the name of Jesus. He said because God is our strength. And God is our refuge. A very present help in trouble. He said therefore. We will not fear. Therefore we will not fear. Say father in the name of Jesus. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. You are my God, my help in time of trouble. In the name of Jesus. You are not man that you will lie. Neither the son of man that you will repent. You said you will help me early. You will help me early. I look unto you. The Bible says you are in the midst of her. God is in the midst of us. God is in the midst of your situation. It's right there with you. Even though the waters are raging and the enemy is raging, God is in the midst of it all. And it will help you. It will arise for your help. It will arise for your help. It will arise for your help. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, King of Glory. We magnify your name. Be thou glorified forever and ever in the name of Jesus. All to Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.